unstuck. I'm excited to start today's series uh, simply because a lot of times we feel like those guys right up there, Um, but some of you are stuck right now. Some of you are stuck right now. Uh, About a week ago, my girls were on spring break, and uh, we went off-roading. Does anybody like to go off-roading? Come on, somebody. Off-roading. It's a guy thing. Come on, but I got three girls. Come on, I got my wife and my two babies. I take them off. My girls love it. And uh, we took them off-roading about two years ago, and as we're off-roading then, uh, it started pouring down rain, and there was this massive hill, and it looked intense, and uh, my daughters were all like, Dad, go for it, Dad, go for it, and my wife was like, Ben, don't do it, Ben, don't do it, don't do it, she's telling me don't, and, uh, and my daughter's like, no, Dad, let's do it, let's do it, and she was like, I don't want to go, and all of a sudden, my youngest, Faith, goes, well, Mom, you can get out and go stand under that tree while we go up it. And, uh, and so they remember that moment, and, uh, and I can't remember if we attempted the hill, got stuck on the hill, whatever, maybe we listened to the voice of reason and didn't do it. Uh, how do you guys know that your wife is right most of the time? Come on, somebody. And I uh, most of the time. And, uh, and so we didn't go up, but we went about a week ago and found some great trails, and we were off-roading for about four hours. Um, I got some scratches on the side of my Jeep, and most people think, oh, are you upset? No, it's a Jeep. Come on, it looks better with scratches, right? And, uh, and so off-roading and uh, having a good time. And as we're headed back, there's this huge mud hill. I mean, just it had rained like, the, you know, several days before. And it's this huge mud hill. And my daughter's like, Dad, go for it. And I'm like, yes. Come on. I, I, don't know, I'm, I love it, man. I mean, the girls get to hang out and do their thing like they did yesterday. Come on. Testimony and tea. Okay. How many ladies were here for that and you had a good time? Come on. Um, the ladies' events happen every couple of months. Stay tuned for those. I, I, my wife said it was an amazing time together. But how many know that tea and testimonies isn't a guy's thing? Come on, somebody. No, no, no. Matter of fact, I'm throwing out an impromptu guys get together at my house next Saturday, this coming Saturday night, 5 o'clock, UFC, 5 o'clock on Fox. Come on, somebody. Come on. How many know as men, we just need to see somebody get smacked every now and then, right? Right, see some blood flying, okay? Um, So uh, if if you're on our database, I'll be sending out an email tomorrow. We're going to watch the UFC. We're going to shoot some pool. We're going to have a guys hang out. It's going to be fun because we can't let the ladies outdo us with testimony and tea, all right? (laughs) Y'all can stay home, ladies. Ladies, you can stay home and sip on your tea, eat your crumpets. Come on, we're going to watch somebody get knocked out. Come on now. But we're off-roading, and, uh, and man, we had a great time. I mean, not, didn't get stuck once. Went over some intense stuff, um, probably the most intense off-roading I've ever done. And uh, we're heading back, and there's this mud thing. And so I, the girl's like, go for it. So I'm like, okay, and we go. And I, I put it in four-wheel drive, and we go, and boom, we're heading up. And all of a sudden, we're stuck, right? And I'm like, how can we do all this intense off-roading and on our way back home get stuck in this mud hole? And we could not, we could not, there was these huge ruts, the wheels kept, we'd go up here and all of a sudden shift like five feet to the right and fall into these ruts. It was so much fun. And, uh, and, uh, but we could not get up that thing. We were stuck, all four wheels spinning. And so we had the back up, could not make it up that, that thing. You know, I realize it's, it's that way for us in life sometimes. Man, we could go days, we could go weeks, and man, we're doing some intense stuff, and it's going good, man, and we're making progress, and we're moving forward in the things of God, or, or maybe it's your business, and you're moving forward in the, in the things of your business, or, or maybe it's your marriage, and it's just been awesome, or maybe your children are finally being obedient. Come on, somebody, okay? And all of a sudden, bam, you're stuck. And what do you do now? I believe that there's some of you in here today that, that you find yourself in that place and in that position. Now, I, I want to clarify something because there's some of you here today that you're stuck uh, in, in a relationship. And it's a bad relationship. You've got some relational issues and you can't seem to get out of that and you're stuck in that. We're going to address these over the next several weeks. Or, or maybe it's financially. 
you keep finding yourself in a financial rut and you're unable to make progress and you're unable to get forward. Maybe it's a job and you're stuck there and you just don't like your job and you want to get out and you want to change something. Man, we can get stuck in bad situations, okay? But I want you to know something. This message is not just for those that are down and out, okay? Because you can also get stuck in good situations. I told the first service this. I got to confess something. I'm stuck in a good marriage. I'm stuck in a good marriage. Marriage is good. I looked at my wife the other day and I said, babe, we're stuck in a good marriage. What are we going to do about that? Because a lot of us would settle for good, but it's oftentimes the good things in life that rob you from the great things in life. See, it's not just the bad. When you hit a bad situation, you know it's bad. And you want to get out of that rut. and You want to make progress. But oftentimes, you're stuck in good and you become complacent and you settle for good when God wants to give you great. And see, we settle for good. And so I don't want to just settle for a good marriage. I want a great marriage. I don't want, my kids are good. Most people that have watched my kids say, man, your kids are really good. I don't want just good kids. I want great kids, okay? I don't just want good finances. I want great finances. Why? Because my Bible tells me that he came to give me life and that I might have that life more abundantly, more abundantly. And one thing I've learned about when you're, when you're a Christ follower, that you might hit the abundant life, but there's always more in God. Amen. That's why the Bible says in Romans that he wants us to go from faith to faith. There's an increase. There's a growth. We're to go from glory to glory. There's an increase. There's a growth. And this is what God intends for you. So no matter who you are in here today and over the next several weeks, I believe that God wants to challenge you, not just to settle for where you're at. Come on. Don't get stuck in mediocre. Come on. Let's go for the great things that God has for us. Micah chapter 6, verse 5. I'm going to read you one verse. I'm going to pray. I'm going to dive into it. Micah 6, verse 5. Here's what's taking place in, in, in Micah chapter 6. In Micah chapter 6, God is bringing an indictment against his people, the children of Israel. Now, if you've read the Old Testament, you understand that the children of Israel go through a cycle that looks like this. They're good, not good. Good, not good. Good, not good. Okay? Maybe that represents some of your life here today. Right? Good, not so good. Good, not so good. It's almost like the children of Israel are bipolar, ladies and gentlemen good not good okay but every time they're not doing good God steps in disciplines them confronts them and guess what they begin to do good again so here this is what's taking place God is bringing an indictment against them because they're doing bad again and in this scripture he actually calls heaven and earth to be a witness in what he's about to proclaim over them okay and so they're getting punished, they're getting corrected so that they can begin to do good again. The Bible says that, that no punishment or chasing is fun for the moment. Come on, Hebrews. But yet it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness. Whom the Lord loves, chastens. Okay? So they're being chastened. And here in verse 5, at the end of this indictment, listen to what he says, because there's a key here for us today that I want to dive into. Micah 6, verse 5. Oh, my people. When God puts an O in front of it, it means he's mad. If it just said my people, he might be like, guys, come on. But no, he's mad. Oh. Oh, my people, remember what Balak, king of Moab, devised. And what Balaam, the son of Beor, answered him. And what happened from Shittim to Gilgal. Now, a lot of pastors want to change Shittim to Shittim. Because they don't want to make it sound like they're swearing in church. I have no problem with that, however. So I'm going to pronounce it. I'm going to pronounce it like it's actually pronounced. Shittim. Okay. It's how it's pronounced, okay? And what happened from Shittim to Gilgal. In other, other words, something happened from this place where they were stuck in Shittim to the place where they needed to go across the Jordan to Gilgal where the promised land started, okay? 
What took place in between there? What took place? How you got out of Shittim? That you may know the saving acts of the Lord. This was so important to God that he remembered way back when they were coming out of Egypt and here he is correcting them and he says, have you not learned anything? Are you getting stuck in sin once again? Are you getting stuck in your ways once again? I want to remind you something, people. I want to go way back to that time you were stuck in Shittim and I want to remind you what took place so you can learn from that and get unstuck. Let's pray. God, we thank you from your word today. God, I pray that in the next few moments, God, you would help me preach what I believe you, you want to speak to this, this group of people today, to Urban Church. And God, you would give me wisdom in speaking it, Lord, that we would get out uh, from the areas that we're stuck in in our life. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. He reminds them of what takes place between Shittim and Gilgal. Okay? A lot takes place. If you go back, and let me just go back and read a portion of it for you, in Numbers 25. And if you want to turn there, you can do that. Numbers 25. Okay? The whole plan was for God to take the children of Israel out of Egypt, representative bondage. They were stuck in Egypt. Out of there, into the promised land, which was Canaan. Now, if you read your Bible, you understand this ended up being a long journey because they kept getting stuck in areas of their life. Okay? Okay? And therefore, this journey that should have just taken a week or so took them 40-something years. Wow. Why? Because they kept getting stuck. Here they are now, and they're, they're supposed to progress and move forward into the promised land. But they come to this city called Shittim. Now, Shittim is the last city they camp in before they cross the Jordan into the promised land. If you read before that, they had made tons of advancements. They had taken out other, other kingdoms, taken out other cities. It's the last place they camp. It's a transitional point. It's a transitional moment. They're stuck. Okay, look at this now. Chapter 25, verse 1 of Numbers. While Israel lived in Shittim, the people began to whore with the daughters of Moab. These invited the people to the sacrifices of their gods, and the people ate and bowed down to their gods. So Israel yoked himself to Baal of Peor. They were stuck. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. Why was the anger of the Lord kindled against Israel? Because of sin, yes, but because they were stuck in something that was not their promise. Think about this now. The only thing that separated from their promised land was the Jordan River. They could actually stand on one side of the Jordan and look over and see where they were supposed to be. But they were stuck there. They were stuck there. So much takes place that they need to remember, but for time's sake, I, I can't get into it all. Uh, this is where the people were numbered. This is why we have the book of Numbers. A census goes out. God actually gets mad at them, and verse 25 kills 24,000 of them. Okay? This is where Joshua now is named the leader of the group. Moses no longer. Moses dies, buried. Now the anointing comes on Joshua to lead, lead them, which will be significant. We'll get to that in just a minute. And now Joshua begins to lead them. We then pick up the story in Joshua chapter 1, and then Joshua chapter 2, we actually see that this city is the city where Joshua sent the spies, and it literally says this, that Joshua sent the spies out of Shittim into the promised land. This was the first group to get out unstuck and go and begin to spy out the land. And then we read in chapter 3 of Joshua that now they actually leave, they cross over, they get to Gilgal, and they camp, and now they begin their new conquest. And in that conquest, actually taking out 10 cities, they get stuck again. Okay. This represents us today. God does not want us stuck in our shittim. Come on, somebody. 
God wants us to get out of that city, that transitional point. God wants us to get out and move on to the promises that he has for us. He doesn't want us to stay stuck. He wants us to get unstuck. This could represent something uh, spiritual to you. This could be your marriage. This could be your finances. This could be your job. This could be a good thing, but you're stuck, and God wants you to progress. He wants you to move on. He wants you to grow. He wants you to cross over the Jordan, and he wants you to obtain the promises that he has for you. Are you with me? And this is what we're going to be discussing over the next, and if I'm offending somebody with a city, come next week. It won't be mentioned, maybe. Okay. God wants to get you out. Okay? So much did he want to get them out that he actually paves the way for them to get out. He gives them a new leader. He establishes a new leader. Listen to me, the greatest way you'll get unstuck is by changing leadership. The greatest way you'll get unstuck is when you recognize Jesus as your authority and your leader. They literally had to make a change of leadership. It could no longer be Moses. Moses was good for getting them out, but Moses wasn't good for getting them in. And there was a change of leadership. There was a change of authority. And it was in that change of authority that got him unstuck. If the greatest way you'll get unstuck in every area of your life is simply this, make sure that Jesus is the leader of your life. Transfer the authority. Humble yourself and recognize Jesus Christ as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And I'm telling you, you'll begin to get out of your mess. Are you with me today? Listen, that's not just a one-time event. That's not just, yeah, I prayed that prayer six years ago and I'm saved. That is a daily surrender of our will. We've got to come daily to the throne of mercy and grace that we might receive, obtain grace and have it in a time of need, the Bible says. Now that's daily. That's, every, that's, that's, that's the tough decisions that you've got to make for your family. Have you prayed about it? Have you surrendered it to him? Have you heard his voice on the matter? Transfer of authority, transfer of leadership. But let me get into these real quickly. What are, the, what are some of the three primary reasons why we get stuck today? Let me just, let me just hit these real quick. And then over the next uh, couple weeks as we dive into this, we'll, we'll talk about some specific things, some specific maybe areas in which we're stuck, whether it be our faith, our finances, our family, and begin to address some things there. But today, let me just address these. One of the primary ways we get stuck is, is with this thing called resistance, Okay? Resistance. Yeah. Resistance. Resistance comes in, in two different ways, as I see it in the Word. Resistance comes as you're making progress, you're doing good. How many of you guys remember that day that you gave your life to Jesus? You surrendered your life, okay? Three of you. Okay, the re- we're going to have a huge salvation call today because we only got three safe people at church. Come on, somebody. Okay? You remember that day that you surrendered your heart to Jesus, and man, things were awesome, Right? And you're like, wow, and you felt this new life, and this is good, and you're moving forward, and you're making progress, and all of a sudden, bam! Like, well, what's that? Okay? Well, one of the ways resistance comes is the enemy resisting you. He doesn't like it when you make progress. He doesn't like it when your marriage is healthy. He doesn't like it when your business is doing well. He doesn't like it when, are you with me today? And so you're doing good, and all of a sudden, boom, you hit a wall, and you're like, what's that all about? Man, I became a Christian. I thought things were supposed to be easy from here on out, right? <laughs> and then it's like, all oh, hell's breaking loose in your life. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. Why does it feel like all oh, hell's breaking loose? There's resistance, and that comes. And we see that actually in Scripture time and time again. But one of the examples I love to use is Acts chapter 16. This is the story of Paul and Silas. 
If you remember the story, they're doing some great things. They're preaching the gospel. Man, the word of God is spreading. People are getting saved. And now a demon-possessed girl comes up to them, and they cast out the demon. It's like paranormal activity. Right? It's in the Bible. Cast out the demon, and demon's gone. Girl's set free. But now these people are ticked off because they were making a bunch of money because the girl's possessed. So what do they do? They go and arrest Paul and Silas and throw them in prison. Why are they in prison? Because of resistance. Because of resistance. And that happens to us. But another way resistance comes is because there's sin in our life. And when we sin, we take ourselves out from the covering of God and we expose ourselves to the enemy. And we're just a free target. We don't like to talk about this one. Go back to the enemy resisting me, Pastor. I like that one. I don't like to talk about sin in my life. But because of unrepentant sin in our life, sin that we have not addressed, sin that we have not dealt with. Matter of fact, we just read this story about remembering Shittim to Gilgal. After they cross over, they go in and they take Jericho. The very next city they're supposed to take is Ai. But when they go to take Ai, they cannot take the city. They just defeated Jericho. It's a huge, massive city. Ai, not as big, but they can't defeat it. Why? And they trace it all the way back because somebody had sin in their life. And because of that, there's resistance. The enemy resists. Why is that? Sin, unrepentant. You deal with it, you move on. I, there's, there's been many times uh, in my past when I've sinned. And I'll, I'll, I'll share one specific example that I was thinking of as I was getting ready. And I was a youth pastor. Yes, I sinned as a youth pastor, okay? And uh, I'm sorry, okay? I haven't sinned since I've been a pastor, though. But as a youth pastor, okay, I sinned. And, and I was a youth pastor. I just lied, right? Yeah, I just sinned, great. Unbelievable. Okay. And I was a youth pastor, and I remember this specific, Now I'm not going to share with you all my stuff, right? This isn't a confessional, okay? But there was this one moment, uh, I remember, and my, my, the pastor's wife came to me and looked at me, and, uh, said, and she had been asking me to do something for a while, and it was just something so simple, I just kept putting it off, putting it off, putting it off, and she came to me one day, and she said, hey, Ben, did you take care of XYZ? And I said, yes, I took care of it, although I had not, and then I was quickly going to go do it, right? I won't ask for a show of hands, but... And I did it. Now, this is not to excuse my actions, but I did it because this is the type of person that if they get upset, they, everyone's upset. You all know that person, right? Now, that's not to excuse my actions, all right? I sinned. I lied, okay? I lied to her, and then I quickly went and did it, and I, and I tried to write it off like, well, I mean, I got it done. It's no big deal, right? I mean, it's just, okay? But that week, it's like I've experienced so much resistance. Everything I was doing was just like, that was amazing. What's going on? Why is this not, why are we not moving forward, Okay? And, and, and all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit put his finger on it and said, Ben, you need to go deal with that. And so sure enough, man, after Saturday night prayer, I went up to her and I said, look, I need, I need to ask your forgiveness. I lied to you, okay? And she forgave me, and guess what? It broke, boom. And I was just like, all right, the resistance is gone. Unrepentant sin in your life will bring resistance. It'll bring resistance. Another thing that happens while we're not progressing, while we get stuck, is this thing called complacency complacent i'm complacent okay this is sometimes where we get stuck in the good things and we get content now listen to me paul said this i've learned to be content in all things no matter what situation i find myself in we're not talking about having a spirit of discontentment okay but what we're talking about is saying man you know what thank god where i'm at but you know what there's more and we contend for more y'all know what i'm talking about this morning 
Think, think for a moment in your life right now. What areas are going really good? Have you settled for good? Have you settled for those moments? That's what's happened to the children of Israel here in Shittim. They've settled for good. I mean, there's plenty of stuff here. We're no longer in Egypt. We're a ways away. I mean, I know the promises are right across the river, but this isn't so bad. And then you read on and what took place. I mean, we could have families here. And this, could, this is great. And they settle. But it wasn't what God intended for them. When we were back in Vegas, that happened to us. We settled. God had spoken to me three and a half years prior. Hey, Ben, you're going to be a senior pastor someday. You're going to be a lead pastor. And he even told me the city in San Diego. You're going to have a church. Here's the name. This is what it's going to be. And, and then we ended up moving to Vegas because we needed to go there before we got back here. But when we got there, things were going so well. I mean, I, I shared this in the first service. We were making double what we're making now. Close to double. I mean, it was like, as a youth pastor, right? All I got to do is just make sure the kids are happy and the parents, all right. Just kidding, Jonathan. I know it's not that easy. <laughs> and I remember coming to her one time, and I said, you know what, babe? And she probably remembers this. I said, you know what? I could see ourselves in Vegas. I was tra- my pastor let me travel twice a month, so I was going out speaking at conferences and different stuff. And, and I said, I could, we, could, we got a beautiful home, pool, hot tub, three-car garage, gated community. And I get to travel twice a month, and... We started the university church, and I looked, I said, oh, we could do this. This is, my wife didn't say a word. Obviously, she went and prayed. <laughs> said, God, save me, you know. But after I said that, man, it's like God came in and said, nope, you're settling. You're getting complacent. Things are too good. And here we are, and things have been awesome. Come on, somebody. I'm not making quite as much as I was then, but I love you more than I love the young people back in Vegas, Okay. <laughs> That makes you feel better. We get stuck because of complacency. We get stuck in our finances. We think to ourselves, you know, at least, I mean, at least my bills are paid for. Good job. But what about contending for more? Are you with me? What about not being satisfied that your bills are paid for? What about having an abundance and overflow so I can help somebody else pay for their bills? Really? Yeah. That's awesome. God wants us to contend for more. But complacency gets us stuck. Okay? That's what happened to the children of Israel. The, the last one is this uh, that I want to address today is uh, we get stuck because of character. Because of character. What do I mean by character? See, reputation is what everybody else sees on the outside, and that's what they think you are. But we can fake that. Character is who you really are when no one's looking. Character. And because God loves you so much, he looks at your character because he loves the giftings he's put in you. But without the character, your giftings will never be sustained. I've been teaching our leadership class on Wednesday nights and we've been addressing character. And we made this statement that oftentimes your gifting will carry you to where your, your, your character cannot keep you. Your giftings, your talents, your abilities, they'll take you someplace and oh, look at this, look at where I'm at. But because of lack of character, it crumbles very quickly. And see, God cares more about your character. And so what happens is, is on your journey of life, you get stuck. And in, in, what's going on here? God wants to build some character inside of you. Aren't those fun moments? It's getting quiet in here. Character. 
God cares, because here's the thing. God knows that if he can build a solid platform of character, that your gift will keep moving forward and your gift will be much larger than it could have been without the character. He cares more about your character. And so literally things will happen. He'll put you in seasons of holding. Ask a guy named Joseph in the Old Testament. Joseph, I love the story of Joseph, but something we miss, if we're not careful, is the very beginning of that story. We read the life of Joseph, we're like, oh man, the poor guy. I mean, his brothers betrayed him. They sold him into slavery. He was thrown in a pit. Sold to Potiphar. Potiphar's wife lied about him. Goes to prison. Things are getting worse, not better. Where's the progression? In prison for, for, for two years. Finally, someone remembers him, and he gets to go to the palace. Ladies and gentlemen, this was a really long journey. Like 16 years. Why did it take so long? If you rewind to the very beginning of the story of Joseph, Joseph had a dream. Y'all remember that part of the story, right? Joseph had a dream, and he had no problem sharing his dream with his brothers. Hey, guys, come here. I had a dream last night. What was it? Oh, let me tell you about my dream. I dreamed that there was these sheaves, and my sheaf was in the middle, and you guys were all around me bowing down to me. I want to kill Joseph. Are you with me? And then he has another dream, and he shares his dream again. And they're ticked off at him. Why? Because he's got some pride. He's got some arrogance. See, I, I can't wait to get to heaven and, 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 and watch, come on somebody, the DVD of what was taking place in the prison. He was there for a long time, but it's just a little snippet. And he was in prison, and he interpreted a dream. They remembered him, palace! You know? There was a lot of stuff taking place in that prison. What was it? Listen to me. Why was he betrayed by his family? Because of God. Why was he sold in the slavery? Because of God. Why was he in Potiphar's house lied about? Because of God. Why was he in the prison? Because of God. See, we don't like to talk about that. We don't like to talk about our, 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 our being stuck because God wants to build something inside of me. What about David? Anointed to be king. What a great moment. Da, 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 da. Anointed king. 17-something years later, he finally gets to sit on the throne. Wow. How many of you guys want that anointing? Right? I've promised you something, and in 30 years, you'll have it. Okay? What was going on in David's life? Character building. When he finds himself in the cave of Adullam, read the stories. He's surrounded by his mighty men. That's what the Bible calls him. Guess who his mighty men were? Murderers. Thieves, adulterers, outcasts, the people nobody wanted. And this became his army. Way to get anointed king, right? What was happening? I've learned this a long time ago that our seasons of confinement lead to refinement. When you find yourself stuck, you've got, listen to me, the Bible says this in John 8, that you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. Truth shall set you free. When we find ourselves in those stuck moments, we need to go back to the word of God and we need to locate the, the, the three primary reasons. There's resistance, there's complacency, and there's character. But here's the problem. Here's where we get stuck again, ladies and gentlemen. We automatically go to this. I'm stuck because I'm being resisted by the enemy because I'm doing so well. 
I'm doing so good, must be the enemy. We blame everything on the enemy. Oh, man, it's the enemy resisting me. Why? Because human nature doesn't want to do this. Man, I'm not progressing because I'm in sin. None of us want to do like, I've just become so complacent in my life. I'm just, I'm just settling for this. So I'm stuck. No one wants to do that. No one likes to admit, you know what? I'm stuck because God's doing some character work on the inside. We don't like to admit those things. We don't really like to talk about them. We like to talk about, give me a message where I can overcome the enemy. Well, what if the enemy is your character? Well, I'll go to a different church then. (laughs) What if the enemy is your character? What what if the enemy is is really sin? And, And here's the thing that, another thing that we get caught in, because people want me to address this one. Pastor, one of the reasons I can't progress, I'm stuck, I'm stuck in my pain. Really, what happened? Well, so-and-so, man, they, they said this about me. This was a painful moment. No, the reason you're stuck is because of unforgiveness and bitterness. And that's sin. We don't like to talk about that one. No, it's because it's, it was painful. I'm sure it was. But the only reason it's still painful is because you haven't let go of it. Well, it's just really hard for me to let go. I know it is. That's why it's called forgiveness. And that's why it's making you bitter. Because you won't let go. And we don't like to call that sin. We like, we like to classify that as its own subcategory of, of, of hurt. Yes, they legitimately hurt you. And, and, that's, and here's the thing, ladies and gentlemen, is, is too oftentimes we get stuck in the facts of our circumstance. And yeah, those are the facts. You got hurt. They said this about you. They lied about you. But you know what? The truth of God's word says this. If you would just forgive them and let it go, the pain will leave. It is such a huge thing that Jesus even said this when he was teaching his disciples how to pray. Hey, when you come and pray, make sure that before you bring your request to me, make sure that before you bring uh, uh, your, your gifts to me, make sure any of that, make sure you go get right with everybody you're not right with. Because if you don't, I won't even hear your prayer. I won't even hear what you're saying. And so we're stuck. We're stuck. I don't know about you, ladies and gentlemen, but I don't want to stay stuck. I want to get out of my shittim, and I want to get to the promises of God. I want to get out of that place where I, I am literally compromising, where I am, I'm, I'm, I'm not fulfilling the purposes of God in, in different areas of my life, and I want to get to that place. And here's the greatest thing is even when you get to the abundant life with God, there's still more. And he wants you to keep moving forward. He wants you to keep progressing. Listen to me, it doesn't matter who you are here today. Maybe you are the down and out. Maybe you are struggling with something you're trying to overcome. Yeah, it's that sin issue, and yeah, it's bad, and I need to get unstuck. Or maybe you're here today, and you're like me, and you're stuck in a good marriage, but you want a great marriage. Listen to me, does the dissatisfaction, discontentment of where you're at enough to push you on out of mediocrity into the promises of God? That's the question you have to ask yourself today. No matter if it's, if it's complacency, no matter if it's character building or if it's resistance, are you discontent enough where you're at to say, I'm tired of shit I want to move across the river and get to the promises that God has for me. Lord, we thank you for your word today. God, we thank you that your word truly is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. God, I thank you, Lord, that your word declares that we shall know the truth and the truth shall set us free. And so, Lord, I pray that in the next few moments as we examine our life and where we're at, 
God, that we ought to put a finger on the place that we're stuck. I want you to do me a favor just as we close today. I want you just to close your eyes. And I want you to ask yourself this question, where am I stuck? Not just from a vantage point of bad things, but where am I stuck and where could I improve and where could I progress and where could I move on? I'm stuck. It was important enough for God to remind them in Micah 6, 5, wait a second, guys. Do you remember that time that you were stuck? Do you remember that transitional point, that city that you were in? Man, great things had happened up to that point, but you got stuck. And there was more for you. I'm here to tell you today there's more for you. And you can get unstuck. And you can get out of that season into the next season that God has. We're going to be talking about for the next several weeks. I want to encourage you. Call it a six-week challenge. Would you come for the next six weeks? Say, you know what? I'm going to come for the next six weeks. I'm going to believe and I'm going to contend that I'm going to get out of this. This area that I'm stuck. Some of us here today, we're stuck in several areas. Some of you might be stuck in one big area, but there's others of us that were stuck in several areas. Compromise. We're stuck. But I believe in the next six weeks, as we continue to come to the knowledge of the truth, the truth will set us free. When it says that we come to the knowledge of the truth, it's an experiential knowledge. It means it's a heard truth that is applied to our life. And through that experiential knowledge of working the truth in our life, we're set free. It's not just enough to hear it. It's got to be applied. That's when it becomes wisdom. And you'll get set free. You'll get unstuck. You'll get unstuck. I want to do this first and foremost. Eyes are closed. Heads are bowed. You're examining the area that you're stuck. I want to go back to the very first thing I said. The greatest way to get unstuck is by a transfer of authority. And you've been the authority in your life. But just like the, the, the authority transfer from Moses to Joshua, there's got to be a transfer of authority today. It's got to transfer from you to Jesus Christ as you acknowledge him as Lord and Savior of your life. 